welcome to another C3 Church Rockingham podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au. It's a great privilege today to invite a few guys onto the couch. You're going to listen to five over the two services today, four this morning and another four tonight. We're going to swap through a few around. But uh, I have the privilege of putting on the couch five ordinary men who are husbands, fathers, ministry and marketplace leaders, they're overcoming obstacles and challenges in life by the grace of God. And you're about to hear from four of them right now. Would you help me welcome to the stage the first guy? Uh, I'll introduce them and then we can call them up. Uh, as they come up, you can give them a, a round of applause. He's a business owner, a long-term member of C3 Rockingham. He's an executive board member, key volunteer. He's a vision builder. He's an outstanding influencer and pillar in the church. He's a father of three. Would you welcome to the stage this morning, Dave Moyle. I'll let you find a place up there, Dave. You can choose which one you want to sit on. Next guy is uh, Area Sales Manager. He's the Director of Equip Ministries, Resilience and Road Safety Expert, speaking to thousands of people a year in the corporate world and schools. He's won gold and silver for Australia, seven national titles. He's a key volunteer, a leader in C3 Kids, who after a horrific motor vehicle accident at age 17, it's at one stage not expected to live through the night. He's a father of two. Would you welcome Robert Pike <laughs> to the stage? I think I got most of those details right. Maybe the age was wrong, was it? Were you 17 or 18? 17. Yeah, I got it right. He's good. Next guy's a business owner also. Five-time Waffle Premiership player. I think one with East Perth and the rest with Subiaco. Reebok. CrossFit champion in the 40 to 44 age bracket. He is actually the fittest guy in the Southern Hemisphere, fourth fittest in the world. He's an executive board member, key volunteer and father of two. Would you welcome Kane Hayes? As he limps to the stage. Was he limping then? Uh, I rugby, rugby tackled him to the ground yesterday and he's still recovering from it. Next guy is... Uh, a self-employed business owner, general, generational pastor, outstanding preacher. You might know this guy, a key volunteer who had a Job experience losing his first family in a tragic accident many years ago that left him in a critical condition. He's also a father of three. Would you welcome to the stage, Robert Naisimbo. <laughs> so good to have you up here this morning, guys. How are we doing? Great, thank you. Oh, that was yeah. Really good. nervous. Really good. I um, am looking forward to the gold that's going to come out. Here's the wisdom today. These guys are taking the pressure off me. They're preaching the message to you as we look at some questions. I, I thought it would be good today, guys, to start uh, with your number one tip on how to do life well as a follower of Christ and Father. Because I think, you know, as a follower of Christ is one thing, but as a father, who, who wants to start us off with how to do life well? Go, Bobs. He's itching. <laughs> yeah, um, if, I, if I could give one to you, it would be consistency. Um, I think that's the goal. Uh, for me, for, as a father, I want my kids to know every single day that I love them by my words and my actions. Great. Um, I want them to know that I love Christ with my words and my actions. Um, I want them to want my kids to know that I know I love the people yeah. that I'm about them as well. Um, and so for me, it's about remaining consistent. It's about showing them love every single day, hugging, kissing, 
you know, um, and making being really uh, specific about the time I spend with them and with talking about their. It's interest. interesting that you mentioned hugging and kissing because I think in today's world it's a little bit of an area that people sometimes are reluctant to go into affectionately, maybe at home but not publicly. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think for me, um, I want my kids to have a healthy understanding of positive affection. Um, I think that's really important. Um, especially for my daughter as she grows up into a teenager, I don't want her to look for that elsewhere. I want her to know absolutely what it is to have that from a father. Great. Somebody else? Go, Dave. Um, Bobby stole my thunder. I've got the one word that I prepped a few things during the week, but the one word that came to me this morning was consistency. And if you apply... Well, you, the, you are Mr Consistent, so... Try to, try to do my bit. Um, but whether it's um, as a dad or being a Christian or you walk in this house, I think you just got to be consistent, keep showing up, keep turning up. doesn't matter what you're going through. Life might be going well for you, but six months down the track, you're going to need this place and need this altar. And, well, yeah, just keep applying. Don't, don't sort of resist the process, I suppose. You might look at other... Christians, other friends, and they're a fair way down the on the journey, 20 years down the track or whatever, but just don't, especially for the younger guys, don't um, look at that and get caught into probably the comparison trap where you're looking over the fence, just do what you're good at. My wife's amazing at singing. I'm not. She wouldn't be good on the board. Payne and I and <laughs> <mother> <laughs> the power would be gone in six weeks. So <laughs> we've all got to stick to what we're good at. And if, if we all just do that, um, just bring your gifts and abilities and just do that and it'll work. I absolutely love that. What about um, actually what does loving your family look like? Let's go to the preacher. <laughs> um, it would be... Uh, Listening to your wife. Listening to your wife. Yeah. Amen to that. Happy wife. Happy home. <laughs> Joking. Um, uh, seriously, it's um, serious now. <laughs> just doing everything passionately. You know, uh, whatever you do, do it right the first time. That's what we teach our kids, and. Um, just loving passionately whatever you are doing, as if there's no tomorrow, as if that's the only day you got. I remember saying this, what if today was your last day? So I always live my life. I love my family in that manner. You could have them today and then tomorrow they are not there. So you don't want any regret. Unfortunately, Rob, you know what that's like, right? And we maybe get a chance to talk about that more tonight. But you're not just quoting a quote there. You're living a reality, aren't you? Yes, I am. Jane? I think it's, it's on so many different levels. Like, you know, I've got two boys and my wife and each one of them I have to love differently. My wife loves, you know, acts of affection and, and things done for her. But then my, my two boys I have to love completely different as in one loves to, for me to show love to him, he wants me to wrestle him and... and <laughs> be there with him and just, just be a father figure for him. And the other one, he just wants quality time. He just wants dad to always be around and to be with him. And 
And I think love also gets put in a – it gets painted a picture through Hollywood that it's, you know, all love hearts. In co- but it's also being very firm. Like a lot of times come on, I have to be, you know, I'll do things and to, or say stuff to the kids that, that they probably look at and think, oh, Dad, why are you doing that? But I'm doing it because I love them because I want them to grow up and be good, good boys and good men. So That's I think brilliant. it's on so many different levels, yeah. That, that's good, exactly what Kane said. I think a dad's role is to protect and provide. And sometimes, I've seen it on along our journey, the dad might step in and, I don't know, if you want to be married to a little wimpy man, that's fine, but... If, <laughs> and there's no, nothing against that. All wimpy men stand. <laughs> but sometimes, I don't know, to be a, a businessman, which is my lane that I run in, I'm not a pastor, I don't pretend to be, I'm, I'm not a lot of things, but... In the business world, if you don't stand up and you'll get walked on, and sometimes as a dad, it doesn't mean you should rule with an iron fist or rod, but sometimes you've got to protect your family and step in there. And I think for us, it's probably I'm not a lovey-dovey Hollywood movie star, whatever romantic novel sort of guy, but I suppose the way I show my perfection is to provide and then also quality time with the family, which if you're a businessman, you're time poor. And I haven't got that right yet. Um, You can always give more time to your family, but it's just the little things. Even the last month, Rach works full time. So I've got to spend a couple of hours being a soccer dad, watching Ella running around doing soccer. And I can see the joy it brings to her face. For me, it, it can be in the middle of meetings and it can be this and that, but for her, it it's, it's everything. So. That's part of you lay down your life, right? Carrying the responsibility. I love the way that you put that. I think providing and protecting has been put into too much of a nice parcel. What, what about some of the tough things you've had to do and say as a dad in your family environment as part of that protection thing? Too scared to respond. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, um, actually with me, uh, it's, it's very difficult for us as Africans because in, in Africa the way we raise children is very different from how it's done here. We, we don't tolerate a lot of things that children get away with here. So we tell our children, <laughs> you are... You are in Australia when you're out there, but the moment you walk in the house, you walked into it. Okay, okay, let's just pause for a moment because I understand exactly what you're talking about. And sometimes we just think it's about a cultural shift from our uh, heritage, but it's about a kingdom shift. And I think they're not just coming into an African home, they're coming into a kingdom home. Keep going. Yeah, so they understand. They understand what we mean. They understand the look <laughs> when we are in public. Yeah, you've got a code that you've got to develop with your children that when, when you look at, at them in some way, they, they know it's time to stop whatever I am doing. And they, they are okay with that because they know we do it out of love. We want the best out of them. I say to my eldest daughter, when you're out there, you are not representing yourself. You're representing me and your mom. So whatever you do, you should know that you're not bringing disrespect to us. 
so good. How many are from the generation uh, that speaks of the same, even though you grew up in Oz, that when you were out, mum or dad just needed to give you a look and you knew you were in trouble? Can I see you? Hallelujah, let's get a return of that culture. <laughs> Dads, what about, uh, what would you say has been one of the biggest obstacles you've had to conquer as a father in the faith, leading your family? I'll go. Um, my biggest obstacle by far was myself. I had to get over myself. I, um, just to paint a really quick picture, I, like, when I first became a father, I was an alcoholic I had massive self-doubt of how I was going to become a father because I didn't... Growing up, I grew up in a house where my mother was a junkie. I was constantly surrounded by crime, alcoholism. I just I went from home to home to home. I went to 13 different primary schools. I really, you know, I, I struggled through a lot of that and then I sort of thought that I'd dealt with it and I'd got until my 30s and, and thought, you know, I'd put all that behind me and I was, I was okay. But then as soon as the birth of our first son, son came along, everything come back. Everything rushed back to me and I started drinking a lot more. I carried a lot of how can I be a father when I'd never had a father figure or anyone to look up to. And it, it, it led me down a path that was really steep and slippery really quickly. I become suicidal. I got depression. I've said again, yeah, I just drank and drank. And I got to a point where I didn't know Christ at that stage. And I was like, how am I going to be a good dad? And it, it's, you know, now if you looked at, you know, the, the accolades you just read out and if you look at the highlight reel of, of social media, you could probably look and think he's always had it good. But it was a point where it wasn't good. You know, I had to find Christ. I had to get over myself in, the, in that fact that all those issues that I had, I had to, um, to realise that I might not have had a physical father, but I had our Heavenly Father. And once I, once I realised that and accepted that, um, and then, you know, having a spiritual father and just finding wise counsel, stop drinking, um, got over all of those issues. So once I overcome all of them, it was then that, you know, I could, I've found myself really becoming a good father figure to my children. Brilliant. Brilliant. Overcoming yourself. Anyone else? Yeah. Um, I think for me the day Alba was born was the day it hit me that, oh, my gosh, I need to provide. Um, and then it was like a, all of a sudden it was like I was carrying this weight and, and this pressure. And so – and then you throw that in with insecurities about my disability and uh, – what, what can I do? Obviously, I'm very limited. Well, not, not very limited, but I'm limited to what employment I can go for. Um, and so all of a sudden, that pressure of how can I provide for this family, how can I give them the life that I want to give them um, was, was a massive weight I had to, to, to carry. Um, but also that I don't want to be... Uh, I want my kids to be proud of me as a father. Um, right. and, and so also, I guess sometimes you have... It goes the other way, you know. You, you want your kids. I don't. Know, you want your kids to be to be proud. Um, sometimes it goes the other way around as well. So I, I want them to be proud of me and who I am as a father, not not me just saying I'm proud of them. Right. Um, so I'm very specific about what what I do um, and who I am to them, and uh, don't take it for granted at all. It's excellent. I think I think that understanding of pride in a healthy sense, and the fact that you desire to 
be in the position to be worthy of that from your children is great. Dave? Yeah, it's funny the guys raise similar sort of things. I sounds funny or ridiculous, but for a long time I struggled with, I didn't think as a dad I could provide. I sort of thought, man, I'm not going to be able to earn the income I need to bring up. Um, we've got a blended family. As you know, to a, rate, a married rate, she's got two uh, young boys. And I don't know, as a 24-year-old meeting her, you just, I don't know, I didn't think I was mature enough, good enough. Um, yeah, but I suppose just some advice for some blended families. I think as a mum and dad, you always, you want to be on the same page. Yeah. And you've been raised differently. Rach and I have been raised in different homes. My dad was a pastor. He used to, he was pretty strict on, with, I've got a twin brother on us boys. Rach's dad is probably the nicest dad you'll ever meet, soft, everything. But so we continually, and I think we've done a pretty good job where we try to just marry that in together and try and meet in the middle somewhere. Dave, leading a, a, a blended family is a unique set of complications and different expectations. Um, so that's a huge obstacle to overcome just as husband and wife staying on the same page, right? Maybe I could just drop in here for a moment because, you know, I, I, I'm from a blended family too. I lead a blended family. I have my biological children and my bonus children. I got to be father to my bonus children for a number of years before I had my biological children. One of the things we navigated through was realistic expectations. What, what would you say are some of the things for you, Dave, that kind of helps just make it realistic? Um, I think you can just don't be too hard on yourself. I heard Pastor Gordon say... And he put it in a really good way that people, the normal circumstances, people get married, the two become one and they have kids and there's no real, um, I don't know, with a blended family, you're bringing two different families together. So they've had a father or a mother, they've all of a sudden got a new stepdad or stepmum and you've got a whole lot of history there and you're trying to combine both. And it's no wonder you find it hard initially. Yeah. Um, but... I'm thankful for Rach, She's, uh, she backs me. And I think if you've got, if you're a husband that's got a wife that backs you, you you're, you're winning. And um, I've seen it with other families where, I don't know, the, the blended family, the stepmom or dad can get pushed on the outer a bit and when they say some stuff, the other opposite doesn't back them. And I think you've you got to back each other. And even at times when Rach might think, oh, as the father I'm being a bit firm, she would back me. Yeah. That's and then your good. kids, it, the consistency thing too, you want to – and I've, I'm not saying I've got it right, but you want to model what – whatever you model as a father, I'm hoping will come out even in your, in your blended kids. I see traits in Mitch that I admire, which hopefully I've modelled that as well. He's Excellent. very loyal. He's, he's – um, Consistent. Yeah. He's honest. He's, um, he's got integrity and stuff that I hope that I've had a bit of a part to play in that. Really good. It's obviously um, important for all of us as dads, whether we're blended or single family coming together. Um, obstacles are huge. Uh, here's some common things you need to understand. Maybe I highlighted them at different points, but just let me make it clear. All these guys are busy people, as you've heard from just hearing their lives and what they're doing, responsibilities. But the highest level of service in volunteering in local church here. And um, that that's a pressure in itself. So 
what, what's, what would be some of the key pressures that come from the marketplace and ministry in terms of expectation, performance, temptation either? Let's dare to go there in the area of temptation. Uh, who wants to kick off there? Mm. <laughs> um, I think for me, uh, the biggest struggle will be trying not to go into autopilot. Because uh, with the pressure of uh, work and family and church, you tend to just press the autopilot button and just do things without really putting your heart to it and um, not getting the, the, the actual result that you want. You're just doing it to, just to do it, just because I committed to doing this, I'll just do it anyway. But then in that, you don't get the result that you want. You don't wow. get the satisfaction that you get from what you do it passionately. So I try by all means not to press the autopilot button. Wow. So being so busy in, in the family realm, uh, in the work realm, and then volunteering at church, how do you stay committed in all those areas, especially in church? I, I, I'm obviously pastor, so I want to know what makes it so valuable to you guys to stay committed in the area of your service in church? Um, for me, um, I'm, I'm really passionate about this house. Um, this is my second family. I should, this is my family. Yeah. Not just my second family. This is my family. Yeah. Um, and so I want to be a part of it. I want to be part of this family. I want to be engaged in this family. Um, I want to um, influence Obviously, I'm in kids' church pretty regularly, um, and I find that I think it's really important for for dads to be in kids' church serving. Um, and I, I want to influence those kids. Uh, no, not just not just my kids. I want to influence your kids as well in a positive way. Wow. <laughs> I love that because um, I think more than ever before, kids need the influence of men, um, and it's difficult for our community of faith to keep all areas strong but men being involved in key areas is one of the key components of it. Dave, what about you? I loved how you launched us in with saying I can't sing and and rate shouldn't be on the board. So <laughs> and, I, and I know how busy you are and like even this week we had to get together in a meeting that wasn't planned and it was important you were there and you gave your best. I think um, with the volunteering thing, whether it's volunteering or giving your time or your money to the house. Um, I'm a big believer that if you build God's house, he'll build yours. And there's times where, I don't know, most of us on this couch have been laying floors at 10, in, 10 at night and we're probably some of the busiest guys in the place, but you just do it because you have to. Um, and I just know that if I do that, it's God's got my back with things, with, with business deals, there's an anointing for the marketplace and I think if, again, running in my lane, I'm not pretending to be a pastor or a minister, I'm no good at that, but um, I'm good in the marketplace and so what I can bring is my resources and my time and we need to keep this place open. It doesn't run on its own. At a board level, we sit there and we try, we try so hard to balance the books and manage budgets through the tough times and it's because we want to keep this place open. Um, it doesn't just run in thin air. It costs money to run this place and it's all about that altar. The amount of times um, 
I'd encourage people to use it. That altar, it saves, it resurrects, yeah. it, it saves families, it's, it's saved marriages, it's going to continue to save lives. And um, even for little things, if I've got a, this week I had important meetings with Puma, with national bosses and all that, but I wanted to come to the altar just to have prayer with Pastor Claude, Pastor Chris, Jace at times, just to stand, doesn't mean I can't pray, but just to stand in agreement with another brother here because I think there's power in that. And everything will come at you with that. Life's not going to be easy. You might look at someone and think, oh, they've got it all together, but we're all going to have our mountains. Things will come at you. And believe me, the second you start dedicating resources or time or energies into this place, things will start to break loose. It's such a unique thing to have people that are, you know, this is me saying it about these guys, so it's okay. Heavy hitters, smart. Marketplace people, but spiritual people. You know, to hear Dave articulate, and I know this of him. We've been in the trenches together for 15 or 16 years. He's the guy that I trust most. It's not that, you know, that should mean less on any of you, but in terms of what we lead, what we are responsible together for as stewards in the house. Um, but to hear him articulate, it's all about this just here. Because so many people have, in times gone past, misread what we're doing with figures on the board and raising funds. We think it's about buildings. Actually, we couldn't give a rip about buildings. We're all about building what goes on here, down on the front. And we need men. We need men who are spiritual. We need men who are liberated to seeing that you don't need to have a pulpit role if you've got a marketplace anointing, go out there and hit the goals, make it, influence, be successful. Be one of the world's strongest men. Be someone that overcomes and prays top-level wheelchair basketball. Bob started uh, a wheelchair basketball team for the sole purpose of helping Indigenous people, Indigenous disabled people find an outlet in their area. Fantastic. Yeah, I think for me, like, I've, I've had achievements and, um, like, and I'm really proud of those. I'm proud of the gold medals. I'm proud of the silver. I'm, I'm proud of, of the national championships. But there comes a time when it changes, where it's not about you anymore. Um, you, you've done what you you've, can do. And so for me, it's like, what can I do next? What, what are we doing? I think I love talking about legacy, you know, about leaving a legacy. Um, and for me, I, I want to leave a legacy um, on this world, um, well, I hope in my little bit of starting a wheelchair basketball team, we go into communities, we try and find disabled Indigenous kids that um, in one area of their status in their community, they're bottom of the bottom. To all of a sudden you give them something they can focus on, they can work on like a sport, all of a sudden their status in the community changes. You know, we, we had a young man who's, he lives in Mullen, like it's like, like it's probably it's like 200, 200 kilometres in, in the desert, so up right up in the Kimberley. You know, he's missing one arm, he's missing a leg and he, he, all of a sudden he's travelling the world for Australia. So his community and status in the community has completely changed. Um, you know, I want to leave an impression on my children. It's not just about us. It's not just about us and us doing life well. It's about other people, about us impacting other people. I love that. 
We've got to get beyond the us for and no more mentality as followers of Christ, that we're not just praying and believing for us for and no more, our family kind of unit, but well beyond that. Brilliant. What, what about um, the biggest danger you guys see for you and your family uh, as remaining committed followers into the future? Because we're living in a world that's changing and shifting fast. What would you say some of the greatest dangers are? For my, for my family, I think like Lana and myself are very grounded and, and are entrenched in the church. My biggest fear and I think the biggest danger is our, our kids falling out of church in a world that's so fallen, I guess, and there's so much external pressures in the, in the world for the kids these days Then they could go down any path. You could guide them on, on the one that you want them to but they can go down any path. So I guess one thing that we continuously try to do is have an open communication with them about why we love the church so much, what God does for us. Let them experience that themselves so that they can make, I'm sure there's going to be points where they get to a, a crossroad and they've got to make a choice and, and especially as they become teenagers. So giving them guidance and open communication as a family around that. Right. And making sure that they enjoy church. Like we, there was a time where they weren't enjoying it and they were getting upset and yep. we, we sat down with them, found out what the problem was, fixed it and now they're back to loving coming to church. How good is that? I think I've noticed families, all families kind of go through those seasons with their kids where for some reason they don't enjoy church. And sometimes it is because of what you're saying about church at home. Just put the pastor hat on. Um, you know, people come to church on Sunday, hear the message, then go have pasta for lunch, <laughs> not spaghetti. Uh, and kids hear that stuff. And then you wonder why at a critical part in their journey, they start to not like it. But I think to be wise, to sit down, fixing the problem probably meant having communication with key people in children's church or other areas of ministry. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was a point there where Cookie was doing the, the, the kids' church just with the boys and it just got back to it was a good Christian brother that was just loving on him. Cookie. And then, yeah, Cookie was just loving on him. And then, Let's put our hands together for Michael yeah, Cook. <laughs> and it got to the, you know, where, where the boys just got back to just loving coming to church and, and just having an older person that they looked up to that was just fun but still you know, imparted good godly words on him and, and right. just got around him. So. Somebody else on dangers that you see for your family? I think you've got to, like I keep saying, you've got to model it as well. So Rach and I, church is what we do. Um, we're busy. Sometimes you wouldn't mind to sleep in, but it's just what you do. And if your kids see that week after week, believe me, they won't depart from it. For a time they might, but I, again, on, on Mitch and I'm bragging on him a bit, but he's in this house. We, Rach and I have modelled that and he's worship leading, he's carrying his mum's anointing in that and I see Ella and she loves to come to church. Yeah. And my dad was a pastor at times. We used to fight him nail and foot to go. We're like, no, nah, I don't want to go, Dad. It's boring. Don't want to listen to you preach. Um, <laughs> but we didn't depart from it when that we got through my kids. the 20, 20 23, when I hit 24, 25, you mature and you just you go back to what you know and what you were raised in. Excellent. So I think as a dad sometimes and myself, we've got to man up and lead by example with that. Great. Bob's? Um, biggest danger um, 
for us. And let me just set the, the groundwork is that um, I don't think there's any danger of us and our family leaving Christ. Um, and we love this church. I think one of the saddest things that you see is people get disgruntled or they get offended. They leave the, leave the church and then they leave Christ. They lose their relationship with God. Um, number one, the most important thing is relationship with Christ. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then the church. Yeah. Um, and being committed here. Um, my biggest probably danger is disappointment. Um, if I'm going to be completely honest, is that, you know, and the way I, I sometimes there's a, there's a little bit of a, sometimes me and God, we're good and we're close and, and everything's going well. And then sometimes there's a little bit of a gap between me and God. And because I get a little bit disappointed, maybe my prayers aren't answered the way I want them to be answered. Right. Or maybe that, right. that, that timeline is a little bit more extended than I, than I want on. it to be. Yeah. Um, and so if I'm going to be completely honest, that, that's probably the biggest danger. Um, but at the same time, nothing's going to come between me and my relationship with God. Excellent. Managing disappointment. I think that's a common one for many of us and it's good to hear. Rob? Uh, for me, I would say not knowing what the future holds uh, as far as uh, Christianity is concerned. There are a lot of things that are coming in, the exposure to the internet, the exposure to some of these teachings that are on, on YouTube these days. And I, I worry so much about my children that, you know, if we don't give them a proper foundation, the kind of things that they are going, they'll get confused with some people they meet at school or the people they meet in life. So I think the best thing we can do is just to do what we do passionately. Because I think if the children can see how important this is to their father or to their, to their mother, how important church is or how important God is. Because in the Bible, we always read the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, is the God of the father that really matters. Correct. And I, I think if we can instill that in our children, if my kids can see how important it is for me, I think they will not depart from it. So I'll do it with all my heart. Right, great. I've saved the last question for this moment. Um, we don't have a lot of time left and I'm hoping to get an answer from all of you. Uh, I love asking this question to the younger generation, but I thought it'd be good to ask it to dads that have been around and have a bit of uh, experience under their belts. Uh, I, I heard this question got, re- got answered by one of their children. I thought they gave a classic response, which is really helpful. If there's one thing you could change about this church, not the church out there, but this church, and you were empowered to do it, what would it be? (laughs) We're men. We can handle tough questions. Come on. No pressure. Um, If if I was going to be completely honest. Well, that's what I'm looking for. um, I want to see more dads and kids church. Yeah. That's that's, what I see. There's so much valuable... You know, they're our treasures. They're our treasures. And we need to make sure that, that we're doing more to influence them, to impart into them. It's not just something that can be, oh, yeah, look, let's just send them to kids' church and whatever happens there happens, you know. Let's be really specific about what we want to do and what right. we want to put into our children. Um, I don't know. I want my children growing up in a, in, in a family unit that is more than just me and my wife. Right. That's more than just me and the grandparents and the uncles and aunties. I want to know that actually they're put in place where they're getting influenced by really good Christian people around them that are going to give them good advice and, and teach them good values. Um, and so for me, I'd be like, you know, if you're a dad out there, you know, you, you should be on roster. 
you know, well, you should be putting putting time into, into our children because I, it's I not hope that hard, you do hey? that, yeah. Even if it's like once a month. Once a month. Yeah. Every other month, it, yeah, it can make it. a difference and that's just it. have that influence. Um, and if I had to put something else in there, it's probably not our church, but maybe our church and the church in general. So I think some of the saddest things that you see on social media where you see Christians arguing with Christians and all, and, and all of a sudden you're like, you're thinking, let's change yeah, that. You're doing so much more damage to, 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 to God and, and our church. What are you doing? Like it should be about bringing people together, not 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 disunity. Um, and so, if I would, my encouragement to dads Preach. out there and to everyone out there is that you know what, we don't need to always have an argument with people. Don't always have to say your opinion. Um, just love them. Just love them. That's it. Love that. I think um, sometimes it's a tough one because you know everyone's got such commitments and everything like that. But when there's a godly moment, so, you know, God shows up sometimes in, in worship or in whatever it is and, and we have to cut it to a time limit because we're on a schedule. Yeah. And, yeah, I just wish we could stay in those moments because it, it is rare when you really have that, that true anointing of God showing up. Should we change that? Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. And then the other one, <laughs> I was sort of talking about this question with my wife and then my son piped up and said that I think there should be more men's ministry stuff as in he goes Men's he goes things. he goes mum's got so many things she goes to dad why don't you go to some stuff so some <laughs> some men's come on man help us do some more men stuff like that so yeah great i think it gets a little girly in here at times so come on let's go there we let's can have a bit of that. have a bit of testosterone on things and hang a jacati from the back or something like that but kane kane's right in what he says with have some men's stuff but again, I think some men have to man up for that too. Yeah. It's why you get um, naughty comments from your pastor at times because sometimes church has been made this clinical place where good Christian men go to church. And most men don't want to be just that good Christian church. It's all meek and mild. We want to be good, holy, yes, obviously, but we don't want to be the soft um, don't raise your voice kind of guys. So help us, ladies. Don't nurture us. Rob, haven't heard from you. I think the guys have said it all. Um, yeah, mainly if we could have men stand up, you know, uh, not just come and follow our wives. It is, it is healthy to follow our wives, but I think let's lead in this. Uh, in, in things of the church, if men could take the lead, if men could pray more, if men could turn up for prayers. We have prayer meetings where you count only three or four men. If men could really pray, and I think we can change this world. I think we can change the society if men can really be men. Yeah, if we can really be men, we can, we can change this, this nation. Great. Guys, I want to thank you for being on the couch today. I really appreciate it. I know some of you are going to be able to come back tonight. We're going to go into some other deeper areas. But can I just say right off the, at the end of all this that I really appreciate the influence you've been carrying. Um, just personally, Bob's, you know, from where you were 20 years ago, um, many of you may not be aware that it was 20 years ago, just last month, that uh, – Bobby was involved in a tragic car accident that involved our son and a couple of other really good boys in the community who lost their lives, graduated to heaven. 
Uh, there were just treacherous days and the days lead, uh, after that and the months of recovery. You went off track for a little while, came back on track. And so I just want to say publicly and personally, super proud of the journey you've done and the mantle that you've carried on for your friends all the way through to now. To Dave, thank you for again being a pillar. You're going to be doing more of this, man, after today's. <laughs> just say yes, Pastor, you'll all be good. Kane, going to have you back tonight, Rob. Thank you so much for being on the couch with us today. Would you show your appreciation to these guys as they head back? This is the end of the podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au or call us on 9524 5055.